In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Brothers and sisters, there are two things going on in this Gospel reading that I want to talk about. I want to talk about both of them. The first one is the kind of parable that Jesus gives. The second part is this interaction that Jesus has. Both of them teach us very fundamental things about our spiritual lives. In the parable that Jesus gives, when the disciples, when the, the apostles asked Jesus, increase our faith, he said, well, if you had a little bit of faith, you can tell this tree to be rooted up and it would obey you. And then he gives a story. If you have a servant and your servant is doing things for you, he's working for you, and then he comes back, Will you tell him to sit and eat right away, or would you rather tell him, come and serve me first, and then you'll eat and drink? And then, will the servant expect a thanks from you if he's serving you? No, because the idea is you're paying him. If you're getting paid, that's your thanks. That's the idea that Jesus is giving us. So that's the first part, and I'm gonna get back to that in a second. The second part, is the encounter that Jesus has. He sees these people, 10 of them, lepers, and they need cleansing. And they say, they shout with a loud voice, Jesus have mercy on us, and he hears them and he heals them. And only one comes back. Only one comes back and gives thanks to God. So what's going on here? What are the two fundamental virtues that we need for the spiritual life without which there is absolutely no spiritual life? Unfortunately, there is a reality in Christianity, and I'm sure in other religions, but Christianity in particular, where we think that if we just pray a lot, or if we're just, we feel really good, we feel really connected to God, all these feelings, that we have, we feel elated and all these things, then we're being spiritual. This is not a Christian idea. This is a very much pagan idea. And you hear this today when people say, oh, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. All that means, I'm spiritual and I'm not religious. All that means is I feel like I'm connected to a higher power, but I don't practice any religion. I don't belong to any denomination. I don't do any of the ritual stuff. I don't worship any particular God. I just kind of connect with the spiritual world. That's not different when Catholics do it. But they're not really included in their prayer. They're not really entering with themselves into the prayer. What do I mean by that? Well, let's talk about the two virtues here. The first one, Jesus says, do you expect thanks when you're serving somebody? If you're, if you're a servant or if you have a servant and he expects thanks from you, what is that going to do? What does that mean? That means he's not really a servant. We serve God. We are God's servants. We are, as Jesus says, say to yourselves, I am an unworthy servant. I have only done what was my duty. Now God is good to us, and God will reward us, not just plentiful, God will reward us infinitely. Because God loves us, and God wants to shower us with gifts. But the second that we expect it, the second that we expect God to do something for us, 
The second we expect God to reward us with something, then we've blown the whole thing. I'll tell you right now. Because God doesn't owe us anything. We are God's servants. And if the second we complain to God and we say, Oh, I, I pray, I go to Mass every Sunday. I confess every month. I do good for other people. I do these things. We are just unworthy servants. We are only doing what is our duty. Anything less than that, we're condemnable for it. So the first virtue in that kind of parable is the virtue of humility, without which there is no spirituality whatsoever. The second that we don't think that we are God's servants, but that we presume that God owes us things because of what we're doing, or because we are quote-unquote spiritual, or because we pray, or because we do good things for other people, the second we presume that God owes us something as if he's our ATM machine, we put in the card, we put the right numbers in, we hit the right buttons, and then out comes this money. This is not God. The second we presume to do that, then we really make ourselves God, or we really make God our servant and we put ourselves in his place. So the first virtue is the virtue of humility. We have to basically, to put it kind of bluntly, we have to put ourselves in our place. Who am I to God? I'm God's servant. Who does God make me? God makes me his son or daughter. I am God's servant. I declare myself to be God's servant and nothing more. And then God says, yes, but now I've made you my son or my daughter. That's God rewarding us for being humble, and for putting ourselves in our place, and for doing properly what belongs to him. The second one that's in the second part of the gospel reading, Jesus heals 10 lepers. Only one of them comes back. And Jesus says, We're not 10 cleansed, where are the other nine? Was no one found to return to give praise to God except this foreigner? The second virtue is thanksgiving, or another way of saying it is to praise God. The second virtue is to praise God, without which there is no spirituality. If we can't praise God, if we can't thank God for all the things that He's done for us, none of which we deserve, we really cannot be properly spiritual in the Christian faith. See, this whole idea, I'm spiritual but I'm not religious, it's very easy. And that's why people li like it so much. It's very easy because you're not committing yourself to anything. You don't really have to assent to anything else. You don't have to thank anybody. You don't have to be humble. You don't have to do anything. You could just say, I feel good about the way I'm praying right now. But to give thanks to God is a big statement. To give praise to God is a big thing to do. It's not small. It's to recognize that I am nothing, but God will do everything for me. God does everything for me. Without God, I am absolutely nothing. And therefore, everything that I am, everything that I have, I owe God thanks. I owe God praise. With these two virtues, humility and thanksgiving, these are the foundations. This is the ground of Catholic spirituality. And when we walk on that ground, we're walking on solid ground. Today, brothers and sisters, is a feast day in the church, August 15th. Every August 15th is the feast of the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And this feast commemorates, celebrates, the Virgin Mary being assumed into heaven. This means taken up into heaven, body and soul, after her death. Basically, immediately after her death. This is a doctrine of the Catholic Church 
that was decreed and defined in the 1830s, the exact day, I don't remember, sorry, didn't prepare, sometime in the 1830s by Pope Pius XII. And the doctrine is a big doctrine. What it says is that the Virgin Mary, after her life was finished, she died and immediately was risen from the dead like her son and was taken up into heaven, body and soul, just like her son, just like Jesus ascended into heaven, Mary was taken up by God into heaven. Now this is said of nobody else except for Mary and Jesus. Jesus, heech, we can understand. What about Mary? Why can we say this about Mary? Is it because she didn't sin? Yes. Is it because she wasn't born with original sin? Yes. Is it because no sin has ever stained her body or her soul ever in her entire life? Yes. But even more than that, not just the negative, that she is not something, or that she did not do something, but on a positive note, every moment of her life was lived in praise and thanksgiving of God. Now imagine a life like that. Imagine a life where at every moment we are thanking God, we are praising God, and this doesn't mean that we're saying it out loud. It doesn't mean that we're in the temple or in the church saying, I thank you God for all of, all of our lives. It means at every single moment, the disposition of her heart, the humility that exists in her soul, the actions that she commits with her neighbors and towards herself. At every moment in her prayers, she is thanking God. She is recognizing at the core of her being that God deserves praise, that only God deserves thanksgiving, and that her whole life should be spent thanking God. The Virgin Mary, then, is like the embodiment of God being praised among human beings. Her entire life, is devoted to God. We can say that she is assumed into heaven. She embraced God at every moment of her life, and then at the end of her life, God embraced her, took her up body and soul. Now this is great for you and I, because Mary is also called, among many other uh, titles, She's the mother of the church. This is an official title that actually Pope Francis uh, defined three years ago or so. But she's also the icon of the church, the icon of the church. That means, as we see in an icon of Mary in the church here, this is not the Virgin Mary herself. This is an icon of Mary. And it points forward, it, point, it, it causes our mind to think towards the person who this icon is representing. Mary is like that as well. But what she's an icon of is the church. And the church are the members of the body of Christ, you and I. So when we look at Mary, we see Mary, and we see the mother of God, and we see the Holy One, the All-Holy One. But we also look forward to the church herself. Mary is an icon that points us forward to the church. What happens to Mary happens, will happen to the church. And what happens to Mary will happen to the members of the church so long as we live like Mary. And Mary lived out these two virtues par excellence. She was humble, absolutely humble. Absolutely humble, and we see that from the gospel with the very minimalistic uh, words that she used. 
When the angel Gabriel comes to her, she barely responds. She only asks a simple question. She gets a response, and her first response to that is, let it be done to me. I'm the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. Her only response is a yes to God because she sees herself as God's servant, and God makes her his daughter. Brothers and sisters, Mary is also the mother of the church. She is our mother, and we are her children. This happens when Jesus is on the cross, and St. John is there next to Mary, adoring Jesus while he's hanging on the cross. And Jesus looks at John, and he says about Mary, behold your mother. And he says to Mary, about John, behold your son. John is the beloved disciple who represents every one of us. Every one of us is a beloved disciple of Christ. Every one of us at that moment were handed over by Jesus to Mary to be her children. And, and, and at every one of us at that moment, Mary was handed on to us to be our mother in Christ. And she will raise us as a mother will raise her children. She will discipline us. She will form us. She will shape us. She will educate us. She will lead us and she'll guide us. Only let's trust in Mary and follow her to, through her suffering when she watched her son die on a cross, through her yes to God at every single moment of her life, through her humility and her constant praise and thanksgiving of God, all the way up to her death where she freely gave herself fully over. It was her final act of giving herself over to God and embracing God with everything that she was so that with her we can also embrace God and be embraced by God. Amen.